And that about wraps it up. God is strong and he wants you strong. So take everything the master has set out for you, well-made weapons of the best materials, and put them to use so that you will be able to stand up to everything the devil throws your way. This is no weekend war that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. This is for keeps, a life or death fight to the finish against the devil and his angels. Be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help you can get, every weapon God has issued, so that when it's all over but the shouting, you'll still be on your feet. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation are more than just words. Learn how to apply them. You'll need them throughout your life. God's word is an indispensable weapon. In the same way prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare, pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open and each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. And don't forget to pray for me. Pray for that I'll know what to say and have the courage to say it. At the right time, telling the mystery to one and all, the message that I, jailbird preacher, that I am responsible for getting out. The word of God. The word of God. 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 Praise be to God. Thanks be to God. <laughs> Thank you, Nick and Jack, for a wonderful reading of our scripture this morning. Would you pray with me? Creator God, may the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth be pleasing in your sight. And though I may stumble and say the wrong thing, I pray you find a way to use it anyways. Amen. Well, this sermon just about wraps it up. We have now spent five weeks walking through Ephesians, discovering the faiths that are, are the freedoms that our faith offers us. Now, when people talk about faith, I think there's an assumption that faith comes with a lot of restrictions. There's a lot of don't do that and definitely don't do that other thing. Now, as a parent to a preteen and a toddler, I can say usually these no's come from a place of love. But since we're human beings who tend to see the negative more than the positive, the no's stand out more than the yeses. Despite religion's reputation for restriction, I hope that in these past few weeks you have found freedom in our faith. We are free from the illusion of separation between one another. We are free from the fear that we are not enough. We are free from the illusion of worth that the world has placed on us. And we are free to feel the full width and breadth of human emotion without guilt. But as with every freedom we are granted comes a corresponding responsibility. And with that, I may have lost half the room. Responsibility has a tendency to seem a little boring. But this responsibility becomes a sacred task when we are followers of Christ. When we let go of separation, we are responsible for our connection. When we stop trying to be enough, we are responsible for understanding that each of us is enough. When we recognize what we deserve, we are responsible for treating others with the same sense of worth. When we are free to feel, we are responsible for how we let our feelings construct our worldview. Maybe this is the peculiar burden of faith 
that in being offered a world better than our wildest dreams, we are also charged with its care, whether we're ready for that or not. And this is exactly where I think the big C Christian church has a tendency to get into trouble. It's the contradiction between who we are called to be and what actually ends up happening. It's the reason I think I hear some people say, I'm a Christian, but not like fill in the blank. I can't begin to tell you how many interesting looks I have gotten if I tell people that I'm a Christian, much less a pastor. Then you get the real wild looks. When I was finishing my bachelor's degree in history and just considering ministry as an option, I would regularly hear from my fellow history majors, how can you be a Christian if you know their history? As any student of history will tell you, it's a pretty rough history. But normally, people are pretty polite. I've also had people just shut down entirely when I start to talk about my faith. And I don't know that I can blame them because they think I'm going to be cruel or judgmental or try and manipulate them into joining my church. And I can't be upset with their fears because I know that they're real. I know the pain that the church can inflict is very real. I've felt it. Even within our church community, I find people are recovering from wounds caused by the institution of church. I think what I'm trying to wind up to is that Christian is a pretty tricky and tough identity to claim these days, especially when it has a reputation of saying, love thy neighbor and persecuting them in the very next breath. Throughout time, our neighbors have been everything from Jewish to Turkish to Muslim to witches to Native Americans to Africans and most of the world in between. And unfortunately, we have rarely left our neighbor better than we found them. What boggles my mind is that sometimes it's Christians persecuting other Christians. That's why we can have four different churches on the same block, all with different names. Somebody called someone else a heretic and decided Christianity needed a rebranding. Let me tell you, while I think some of these issues that caused conflict were worthy of a conversation, I don't think a single one of them deserved a drop of blood shed on its account. In fact, it is the very scripture that we read today that has caused a significant portion of this bloodshed and violence. And I feel compelled and convicted to share with you my thoughts on that. Because it is only one interpretation of scripture that has led to bloodshed and violence. The scripture that we read today in a more strand, standard translation might sound more familiar to you, so I'm going to read it. Finally, be strong in the Lord in the strength of his power. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. You may notice that it specifically says our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but instead points to a more cosmic or internal force of evil. Yet, in our past, the Christian church has used this scripture 
to find evil in the faces of people who bear the image of God. Our scripture today tells us that God's word is an indispensable weapon, but I wonder if our author meant that kind of weapon, the kind that over a few thousand years of Christianity could be far more deadly than any sword made of steel. After weeks of considering the freedoms that we are afforded by our faith, the one I found most difficult to grapple with was the freedom we have to let faith shape our worldview. We are empowered to use the scriptures and traditions of our faith to help us sort through the world. But with that freedom comes the responsibility of interpretation. Now I'll say first that the sheer amount of biblical interpretation out there is immense. And before we even try to consider right and wrong and what our view of scripture might be, let us remember that our scriptures are not neat and tidy things that offer simple answers with clear directions. American biblical scholar Peter Enns asked us to consider what if the Bible was fine just the way it was? Not the well-behaved, everything-in-order version that we create, but the messy, troubling, weird, and ancient Bible that we actually have. The truth is, it's downright easy to weaponize the Bible, because often what we say about the Bible says more about us than it does about the Bible. It's the story of people searching for God and failing and trying again. It holds stories of great kings and sea monsters and a kid's lunch feeding 5,000. It encourages us to find miracles, to find hope. It contains great acts of violence. It contains all too much human pride and vanity. It contains within itself contradictions and conflicts different viewpoints, different messages for different people. It's actually one of the few books I know that publishes its own critique in-house. It's one of the reasons I love it. We are free to find a place in scripture, to find the word of God within our own hearts. But with that freedom comes responsibility a responsibility to seek wisdom in our interpretation, to understand the power that comes with a holy text. Yes, we can find justification for a myriad of terrible things from selling your daughters into slavery, Exodus 21, or holding people as property, the entire book of Philemon, for example. But we also find in that same text an invitation an invitation to join the story, to join the story of a creator who created each of us, a God who freed captives, restored sight to the blind, raised up forgotten peoples, and out of love for us, conquered death as a human man. I think we must be willing to hold our holy texts with gentleness and tenderness as if it were still alive because it is. Our scripture is alive within our hearts. It is alive in how it influences our actions. In conversation with scriptural authorities of his day, Jesus was asked 
what the greatest commandment in the law was, and he responded that it was to love God and love neighbor as yourself. If we are to choose weapons in a battle against evil forces, this is the sword, this is the shield, this is the helmet, this is the breastplate, this is the decorative license plate. It's the whole thing. Love God, love neighbor, love self. The battle we fight is not one against other human beings, but instead forces of our world that would separate us and isolate us from love. Let us use our freedom. Let us use our freedom for the benefit and well-being of others. Let us always err on the side of light, on the side of hope, on the side of compassion every time. I wish I had more to offer you. I spent far too long considering all of the words today, and what I am left with is a prayer for you. A prayer for freedom, for your freedom, to be bound up with everyone else's, that we may share the love that God has offered to us with one another. Let us always err on the side of love. I pray these have been the words of the Lord for us this day. Amen. Would you